What is this? Are you trying to trick me? What is this? What's going on here? What are you people doing here? You are talking about the nonsensical ravings of a lunatic mind. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. Alrighty then. Hello and welcome back. This is Storytime and I am Gamer Dude. Glad to have you with us for some more stories this week. Today, it's another best of episode. Since I'm recording this at the end of August, I thought it appropriate to put a best of vacation stories episode together for you. So I went back to season one and pulled some of the best vacation stories from that season. I talk about summer, I talk about family vacation, and then I talk a little about getting ready to go back to school. So these are some of my favorite stories from season one. If you haven't heard them yet, I hope you enjoy them. And if you're hearing them again, I hope you enjoy them this time too. Oh, also, just so you know, when I put these best of episodes together, I do try to take some time to remaster the stories a little bit, take out some of the pauses, clean up some of the sound. I try to make it as listenable as possible. So if you notice a little difference, then I did a good job, I guess. I haven't changed the stories at all. That could be good or bad, I guess. But at least you can hear them better. Anyway, thanks for joining me today, and this is the best of story time. We had the annual family vacation. It was at the end of summer. My dad was a very rigid man, as I've <laughs> as I've explained in other episodes. And so vacation time was always in August, always the last week or two weeks of August. And that's just the way it was. There were no June vacations. There were no July vacations. August, that was vacation time. And there was always a family trip. Now, family vacations when I was a kid were very, very different than they are today. In those days... Family vacation was for mom and dad to take a break. We were just along for the ride. The kids didn't really have a say in where we went. It was where where dad wanted to go, where mom wanted to go. Primarily in my family, where dad wanted to go. At least as far as I could tell. I'm sure mom and dad talked about it, but it was pretty clear to me as a kid that dad made the choices for the vacations. Now, these days, it's very different. And I was guilty of this when I was raising my kids. Vacations these days seem to be centered on what's going to keep the kids happy. How are we going to entertain the kids? What do the kids want to do? When I was a kid, that didn't matter. We were kids and we went where mom and dad took us. That was the way it was. These days, well, will the kids like Disney? How about the beach? Will there be something to do for the kids at the beach? Oh, what if we go to Washington, D.C.? It it, it didn't matter when we were kids. Dad wanted to go to Washington, D.C.? We went to Washington, D.C. and the kids... Pack some stuff, keep yourselves entertained. It's very different these days. Now, I was kind of guilty of it. As I said, I wanted to entertain the kids, but I'm fortunate in that I like amusement parks. I like the beach. I like the boardwalk. I like the arcades. So if I'm taking the kids someplace to entertain them, I'm entertained too because I like that stuff. My dad did not. My dad did not like arcades. He did not like lines. He did not like noise. He wanted to do what he wanted to do. And that's what we did. So that was the family vacation. That's the background against which all of our family vacations took place. Wherever dad wanted to go, that's where we went. So when I was a kid, we we never really knew where we were going until dad said, okay, we're going. It's something that we kind of were aware of, but it wasn't something that we had a say in. So we just packed up the stuff and went. And packing was always important because you had to bring things along to entertain yourselves. Now, remember, when I was a kid, we didn't have cell phones to play on. 
We didn't have tablets. We didn't have we didn't have portable DVD players or VCRs or anything like that. weren't There were no movies. There were no games. There was nothing for us electronically to entertain ourselves with. So packing for the entertainment purposes of the trip was books, board games, puzzles, other things that we could do in the car. We perfected we perfected license plate bingo. We perfected sign games. We perfected the game of horse while we were driving. Yes, the game of horse is something my aunt gave us. And it sounds weird. How do you play horse in a car? It's not like horse on the basketball court. For those who don't know, horse on the basketball court, you take shots and you get a letter for every shot you miss until you spell horse and then you're out. Horse in the car, as you're driving along, you you watch the scenery and you look for horses. And every time you see a horse, you would call out horse. And for every horse that you saw, you would call out horse. So if you saw a field of horses and there were 10 horses, you'd go horse, 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 horse. And you'd try to get all the horses. And then, of course, as you started calling out horses, your siblings would see the horses and they'd start calling out. And then you'd have the fight about how many horses you got versus how many horses they got. And then you'd keep running totals of your horses. Yes, we we had to find very creative ways to entertain ourselves because that's all we had. So the game of horse was one of the big things and we had these running counts of horses and they would they would last from trip to trip. So every time you were in the car, you would bring your total of horses onto the next trip. So we would have records of like 150 or 200 horses. Now, how did you lose your horses in this game? Well, if you drove by a cemetery and you saw a cemetery, the first one to call out, bury your horses cost everybody else the horses they'd accumulated, and you got to keep yours. So it gave you something to look for while you were driving these long trips that we drove for vacation. So these are the things that we would do to entertain ourselves on the long road trips, because they were always long road trips. For those who did listen to the Family Vacation Podcast, you know we spent many years going to various places, having various questionably entertaining vacations. I mean, we were confined to a cabin in Lake Champlain one year for two days because of a hurricane. We took the balmy vacations to the beaches of New Hampshire one year. We were in steamy Washington, D.C. for one year. And I think my mom put her foot down one year and said, I think we need to find a nice warm place where it's relaxing and everybody has a good time. And I think that's what my dad really wanted to do, too. We just never could find the right place. Until they discovered Chincoteague. Now, I was just a kid, so I didn't know anything about it. And as I said before, we didn't have anything to do with the vacations. Vacation time was dad's time. Dad planned vacations, and we just went along for the ride. He needed a place to relax and not do anything, at least work-related. I mean, when you're on a vacation in Washington, you're doing something. When you're on a vacation in Niagara Falls, you're doing something. You have to plan activities. You have to go places. My dad did planning and decision-making all day long at his job, so he wanted a vacation where he didn't have to do any of that, and Chincoteague gave him that. Now, for those who don't know, Chincoteague is an island just off the coast of Virginia. And it is right next to an island called Assateague Island. And Assateague extends from Virginia all the way up to Maryland. It's a very long barrier island along the coast of the U.S. And it's also a national seashore. It's preserved by the federal government. Several of the features of Assateague are some animal sanctuaries. There's a bird refuge, and they also protect the ponies there. You may have heard of the ponies of Chincoteague. They actually live on Assateague Island, and legend has it that they're descendants of horses that were washed ashore by a Spanish galleon that went down off the coast of Virginia hundreds of years ago. 
I don't know how true that is, but there's horses there, and they have an annual pony penning festival every July, and that's how they raise money, and people go down there, and they herd up the ponies and sell off some of the ponies, and you can have your own pet pony if you go to Chincoteague. We never got a pet pony, but the horses had nothing to do with why we went to Chincoteague, Virginia. We went there because A, it was warm, so that appeased my mother, and B, there was nothing to do there. I mean, literally nothing to do except go to the beach, eat, and sleep. That was the entertainment on Chincoteague, and that suited my dad just fine. Now, as I understand the story, my dad talked to somebody that he worked with about vacation destinations, and Chincoteague came up in the conversation. And one of his co-workers stayed with his family. Their last name was Jester. They have long since passed. But they were a kindly old couple, and they had a house right on the bay side of Chincoteague Island. And on their property, in addition to their house, they had a mobile home and a two-room cottage. And what they would do is they would rent both the mobile home and the two-room cottage out to vacationers. So what you would do is you'd drive down to Chincoteague, and instead of going to a hotel, you would go to their property and drive past their house. It was maybe two acres big, and there was about a half an acre for the trailer and half an acre for the cottage, and, and the rest of it was where their house was. And you would rent out either the cottage or the trailer, and it would be yours for the week. They had a bathroom and a kitchen and bedrooms and places for people to sleep. I have no idea what the rentals were, but I know that it was cheaper than going to a hotel. Otherwise, my dad would not have done it. It also afforded us the opportunity to have a kitchen and a refrigerator so we could have breakfasts and lunches in the trailer or in the cottage, depending on where we were staying. And then we would be free to go out to dinner, which is what we did. Going out to dinner, which we never did during the year, going out to dinner on vacation was the treat. And so we went out to dinner every night. But that's why we ate in every morning and afternoon so that we could go out to dinner at night. But anyway, the first time that we went down to Chincoteague, uh, we stayed in the mobile home. Now, this is a traditional mobile home. It wasn't a double wide. It was a narrow little trailer with a bedroom at the end, which would be the equivalent of a master bedroom. But it was only as wide as a trailer. So they had the equivalent of a double bed in there for my mom and dad. My dad was a big guy, by the way. My dad was, as I've said before, he was 6'3 and a couple of hundred pounds, and double bed was barely enough for him. But he and my mom shared the double bed at the end of the trailer. Then in the middle of the trailer was what passed for a bedroom where they had bunk beds, and my brother and sister each had one of the bunks. And that left the couch in the living room for years truly. So I got the couch in the living room to sleep on. So you got a family of five with a little kitchenette, a little tiny bathroom, and a little tiny living room. And we were all packed in there with all of our stuff to keep us busy for a week. So our vacations started on Saturday, and they went from Saturday to Saturday. That's the way vacation was. That gave us Sunday to recover, which, by the way, is a habit I still have today. I picked that up from my dad, and I still do that. I take vacations from Saturday to Saturday and give us a day to recover from the trip. I know some families travel Friday to Friday. Some families travel Sunday to Sunday. I go Saturday to Saturday because that's how my dad did it. And so I do it that way. If it was good enough for my dad, it's good enough for me. But anyway, we would drive down on Saturday. We'd get down there about mid-afternoon. We'd pull into the Jester's property and we'd drive up to the trailer and we'd unpack our stuff and load up the trailer. 
Now, the first time we went down there, we had no idea what to expect. My dad had never been. My mom had never been. Obviously, us kids had never been. So we unloaded the stuff into the trailer, and then we piled back into the car because we wanted to get to the beach. Now, Chincoteague itself doesn't really have beaches for sitting out on the sand and jumping in the ocean or even swimming in the bay. Chincoteague is more like the town next to the island with the beach. So it's a good 15-20 minute drive from where we stayed to get to the actual beach area. The actual beach area, as I said, is on Assateague Island. Now Assateague, since it's a protected federal wildlife refuge, has zero development. Now you've been to beaches with boardwalks and arcades and hotels right on the water and little towns built up right along the coast. I mean, anywhere along the Jersey Shore, you've got the ocean and the boardwalk and 9 billion businesses, from ice cream parlors to arcades to t-shirt shops to tattoo parlors. They're all up along the coast of New Jersey, from the north end to the south end of the beach. Every town has its own boardwalk and its own businesses right there on the water. That may be one of the reasons that my dad didn't go to the Jersey Shore, because he didn't like all the commercialization, all the people there just milling about, shopping and eating and crowding up his way to get to the beach, because he wanted to go to the beach and sit on the beach. He didn't want to deal with the people and the businesses and the smell of the food and the sound of the calliope over at the arcade. He just wanted to go to the beach. Assateague is sand, birds, horses, natural flora and fauna, and the ocean. That's it. That's all there is on Assateague Island. There's the occasional ranger hut, some lifeguard stands, a couple of bathhouses near the water so you could change into your bathing suit. But aside from that, nothing. At the time we were there, there was not a snack bar, not a water stand, not a lemonade stand. Not, there was no business on Assateague Island. If you wanted water, you better pack a cooler full of water or you would just go dry for the rest of the day. Or you'd have to leave the island and go back to Chincoteague to go purchase stuff and bring it back to Assateague because there was literally nothing there. So if you wanted a vacation where you did nothing but sit on the beach and look at the waves, Assateague was your choice. And my dad had found his nirvana because that's all he wanted to do. We would pack up every day all of the beach chairs, the blankets to lie out on, We did pack up a cooler. We filled it with water or drinks of whatever sort we were bringing. Occasionally, we would pack our lunch and eat lunch on the beach because when we went to the beach with my dad, we were there for the day. If we wanted a break, we would maybe not bring lunch and we'd come back to the trailer for lunch and then go back to the beach for the afternoon because that's what we did. That was vacation. We're going to talk about summer and summer vacation as a kid. Because, boy, that was the time to be a kid, wasn't it? Oh, it's so different now, and it's, it's sad, and I blame us. I blame this generation for the generation now not enjoying summers the way we used to. Because when I was a kid, once summer rolled around, we were on our own. Our parents would let us go out. <laughs> not only would they let us, they'd encourage us to go out. Oh, please, go outside and play. That was my dad most of the time. And my mom, don't you want to go outside and play with your friends? And of course we did. We wanted to get out of the house. We wanted to go do things. And we were allowed to go do pretty much anything. There were no play dates. There were no arranged meetings. It was, did you eat your breakfast? Did you clean up your room? Okay, be back for lunch. And that was it. We would be out the door, 9, 10 o'clock in the morning. Boom, playing outside, doing something. 
whatever it was. And there were so many things that we did. We would have the basic neighborhood games, and we'll talk about those a little bit. We've talked about them in the past, too. But then there was also the day trips that we would take. Yes, we, the kids, would plan our own day trips. We were allowed to do that. And what was a kid day trip? Well, we would all hop on our bikes, and there was a park nearby. It was one of the state parks. It was a park called Hackle State Park. And it was a park in the middle of the woods, and it had a river that flowed through it. And we were free to hop on our bikes and take the three-mile bike ride to Hackle State Park. And boy, that's what we did. We would, we would literally pack a lunch. We would pack a lunch, throw it into a basket or our backpack or whatever we were carrying, and head out on our bikes to Hackle And this was the thing that we would do. This was something we would do on a weekly basis. We didn't hang around the house. There were no computer games to play. We weren't going to sit inside and play board games on a beautiful sunny day. We went outside and we'd put, all, we, we'd put our gear together, whatever our gear was. And our gear was usually a backpack with our lunch and water in it. And we'd bike out to Hacklebarney. And it was, you know, it was a country road and we'd bike along for three miles and we'd see the occasional cars and tractors going by. But that's what we did. And it was, you know, we were 10, 11, 12 years old. We just went out and did our thing. Now, one of the cool things about the trip to Hacklebarney was we drove by a dairy farm. And the dairy farm had a little farm shop there. And inside the farm shop, you could buy fresh milk. But they also made homemade ice cream there. Well, it wasn't homemade. It was farm-made ice cream. But you get the point. They made it right on the spot. And so we didn't eat the ice cream on the way to the park. But boy, on the way back home from the park, yeah. Stopping at Taylor Farms was a mandatory stop because you had to get the ice cream cone. Oh, and it was so good. They made it right there and the flavors were so fresh and they were so tasty. And it was so yummy just to have this cool treat on these hot summer days because the days were always hot. The temperature always seemed to be 80 degrees or higher. It was always humid. It was always those typical summer days, kind of a lazy feeling in the day. The humidity was there. You could see the humidity hanging in the sky. You could feel it just being summer all around you. You just felt summer. There was a feel to the days. You felt lazy and slow, but excited at the same time. It's a very difficult emotion to describe because it was just more of a feeling. It wasn't really an emotion. It wasn't, it wasn't something you could really tangibly hold on to. It was just the fact that it was summer. You had nothing to do, nowhere to go, no one to be with. You were just existing as a piece of the day and you enjoyed the world around you. The other thing we did to prepare for school was get the school supplies, as I said, but not just the papers and the pencils and that sort of thing, but the lunchbox. When I was in elementary school, the lunchbox was the key. You had to have a cool lunchbox. Now, if you go into any antiques shop these days, or you go on eBay and you search for vintage lunchboxes, those lunchboxes that are vintage, those were the lunchboxes that I grew up with. And every TV show, every cartoon, every movie had a lunchbox. And each lunchbox had a thermos. And the lunchbox had pictures from the show or the movie or the cartoon or the comic book. And the thermos had a different scene on it. And back in the day, you would pack a lunch and then you'd have a thermos that you would fill with milk or orange juice, always something healthy. 
And all of the kids would take that to school and eat their lunch out of it. Back in the day, not many schools had a hot lunch program. Those didn't come in, at least near me, until I was in elementary school. So you would always bring your lunch from home. So to do that, you needed a cool lunchbox. Now, when I was a kid, I loved Charlie Brown and I loved Snoopy. And there was this one Snoopy lunchbox that I desperately wanted to go to school with. I liked it because it wasn't the traditional square lunchbox. It kind of was shaped like Snoopy's doghouse. I wanted that lunchbox so badly I could taste it. But lunchboxes were expensive back in the day. Now, I don't know what the price was because I wasn't buying it. My parents were buying it. And as I've said many times, we didn't have two nickels to rub together back when I was a kid. So I was lucky to have a lunchbox, much less a specialty lunchbox that looked like a doghouse as opposed to the usual rectangular lunchbox that was above and beyond for me to have a fancy lunchbox. Now, I did have a Charlie Brown lunchbox and it was cool. It was okay, but it wasn't the cool Snoopy lunchbox. But that was my focus, man. I wanted that lunchbox. I don't know why it wasn't any bigger or any better. It was just the thing that I fixated on. There was just something cool about the the curved top and the way the thermos fit neatly into the curved top and then your sandwich and your, your chips would fit in the box below. I just thought it was the coolest lunchbox. Yeah, the rectangular lunchbox was okay and yeah, it had pictures of Charlie Brown and Snoopy on it, but it wasn't the Snoopy lunchbox. But for a couple of years, all I had was the Charlie Brown lunchbox. And yeah, it was a couple of years. We didn't, unlike today, I remember when my kids were in school, they would get a new backpack every year. Not that there was anything wrong with the old backpack. It's just, it's a new year, you get a new backpack. When I was a kid, you had a lunchbox. If it was still working, you used it year to year. That was the rule for me. That was the rule for my siblings. We didn't waste things. We didn't throw things away. If it was still working, you used it. So my Charlie Brown lunchbox was still working, so I used it for year after year. Until the fifth grade. I don't remember the circumstances. I wish that I did. I don't remember why or how my dad brought home that Snoopy lunchbox that I wanted just before fifth grade started. But it was glorious. The yellow lunchbox, the thermos that fit perfectly, the little clip that you could snap into place to hold the thermos in the top of the lunchbox. All of the little details stuck in my head and I was delighted to finally get it. I don't know if he got it on sale. I don't know if he got it at a garage sale. I don't know if he got it at an auction. But somehow or other, my dad came home with that Snoopy lunchbox. And I was in my glory because I finally got my Snoopy lunchbox. Awesome. The only downside to getting it at the beginning of fifth grade was, as I said, fifth grade was middle school. And somehow or other, all of the kids learned or knew that when you transition from 4th grade elementary school to 5th grade middle school, you no longer used a lunchbox. So here I am on the first day of 5th grade, fat, dumb, and happy, carrying my treasured Snoopy lunchbox, and all of the other kids are bringing lunch in brown paper bags. And you know, kids, all of the other kids with their brown paper bags were the cool kids. I was the little baby with the Charlie Brown lunchbox. And back in those days, I actually did care what people think. Nowadays, I'd carry my Snoopy lunchbox every day. But back then, I succumbed to the peer pressure. I used my Snoopy lunchbox for maybe three or four days of that fifth grade year. And then I said, Mom, we have to get some brown bags because I'm not taking this lunchbox to school anymore. And brown bags were cheap. You could get a hundred for like a nickel. So my mom was more than happy to use the brown bags for lunch. 
and my poor Snoopy lunchbox was relegated to the shelves in the basement. But I had three glorious days of using my Snoopy lunchbox. I loved it. That's going to do it for this episode of Storytime. Thanks so much for listening. I really do appreciate you listening to all of the episodes, including this best of episode. Hope you liked it. If you have any suggestions or stories you'd like to hear on future best of episodes, message me on Twitter, whisper me on Twitch. Just let me know. We'll find those stories. We'll put them up in future episodes. Thanks again, guys. Until next time, you take care of yourselves. And I'll see you when I see you.